0: Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. He gave His son for us, Jesus, the Lord. Who can love us like He does? No.
1: Hey everyone, Pastor Tanya here with Pastor David of Strong Tower Church.
0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, good night.
1: (laughs) It's a wonderful time. Uh, Pastor David, thank you so much for our last episode where we talked about some of these boundaries that judgment has. If you haven't listened, go to YouTube and look up judgment has boundaries. We're here talking about part three in the series of judgment that Pastor Dave's been delivering. And I'm telling you, church, it is rocking our world. So uh, get on board with us, go listen to that, and then come back. In the last episode, we talked about the fact that we must, not it's a good idea to, but we must judge others.
0: Yeah, you need to.
1: We can't just bury our head in the sand and watch our loved ones run off cliffs, as you put it. Mm -hmm. And the key to doing that, without looking like the morality police is keeping in mind the plank that is in our own eye and remembering what kind of grace we would like to receive.
0: Right. We got this plank in our eye. And Jesus wasn't saying, you're disqualified from biblical things. You're disqualified from from the responsibilities that you have in this world because of this plank in your eye. And that plank in our eye, we can't, we can't really get rid of it. Jesus doesn't tell us how to get rid of it. And I think that he doesn't tell us because I'm I'm not sure that it's possible to do that in a in a long term way in a outside of uh, being in our renewed mind of manifestation in in heaven uh, because of our sin state. I, I think that those planks uh, we can we can minimize them we can reduce them, but being mindful of them I think is really the the key to understanding what this whole idea about planks and specks was, and recognizing that there's planks in our own eyes really keeps us from magnifying the thing that it's in in everybody else's eyes, because we always tend to minimize what's going on in our lives. We tend to overlook our own sins or overlook our, our own issues, and then people who have their own issues, we tend to puff those issues up. So Jesus was kind of saying, hey, pay attention, the stuff that's going on in your life is plenty big. And the stuff that's going on in their lives is plenty small. And that's the perspective that we need to use.
1: I really like that. And I really liked how in your message, you told us to think about the kind of grace that we would like to receive. When we notice that there are planks in our own eyes, when we recognize and acknowledge the fact that, hey, I don't got it all together and I'm going to need some grace in this area. Um, it really opens up our heart to be like, Wow, I know I need grace in this area. I should probably extend grace to so- and so who may be struggling in a different area. It
0: really is this age- old truth that Jesus taught us about loving your neighbor as yourself. And you know when I fail, i and and I have had some spectacular failures. you know when i when I approach God, I, I approach him in in humbleness and and with a a, a contrite and repentant heart, and I don't have any uh, ground to stand on. I don't have any any real ability to demand grace from God, but I certainly am praying for it. I certainly am asking Him to to be gracious towards me and to give me another shot and to you know not give up on me. And I'm a work in progress, and all these other things. And and I think part of that's kind of natural human nature. Obviously, we know that God is a loving God and He forgives our, our sins when we approach Him, but we expect, maybe not expect, expect is probably a strong word. We're, we're hopeful or have an expectant hope toward a God who's going to be gracious and loving toward us.
1: Absolutely.
0: And yet we don't often extend the same amount of grace that we would like toward other people i mean it's just like that remember that rich ruler or that guy he he owed a bunch of money to mm, the king yeah. and the, the king like forgives him this huge debt and then he goes out and he shakes down his servant who owed him this little debt yeah. and, the, and the guy begged him just like he begged the king the guy his servant begged him and he's like you know i'll pay it back i promise and the guy's like no forget it that's it you're in jail and the king finds out about it and of course you know you guys know how the story goes like the it it all it all goes downhill from 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 there, but it's the same it's the same idea that we have been forgiven so freely and for such a great a debt mm-hmm. there's no reason or or no reasonable reason that we shouldn't extend that same type of grace towards the other people in our lives.
1: Well, I really like how you put it in in our last episode last time we talked you said how Christ wants to be represented now if Christ has presented us with such grace and mercy then should we not represent him Amen. to those who are seeking it i mean wow he just he just blows my mind so in your message you said a relationship with god is living sacrificially what does that mean
0: you know, it's one of those things that a lot of pastors either don't want to talk about because it doesn't really tickle the ears, doesn't really fill seats in your in your auditoriums. But the reality is, you know, and that's a strong tower. We like, hey, we're real people on a real journey, <laughs> yeah. serving a real God. We don't we don't butter up the message. It it is what it is. Exactly. God God puts it out there and it's like, This is, you know, this isn't the Diet Coca-Cola Bible. This is God said it, we believe it and that settles it. You're know, just going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with the the uncomfortable our our good friend says to embrace the awkward. So yes. <laughs> sometimes we just got to embrace that awkward and this is one of those things is you know when when we're born again we enter into a relationship that the father has modeled for us. And the father modeled a grace-filled, justice-filled mm-hmm. relationship with his people that Includes a great deal of sacrifice, so God has made a sacrifice. It right in the beginning, God made like the, the greatest sacrifice of all. Um, Jesus made a sacrifice. The Holy Spirit is currently making His sacrifice, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to be imitators of God, and and we need to live sacrificially. And sad to say, most of the things that we hear in in popular Christianity is about what god can do for me and how the bible is just filled with all these benefits for me and it really comes across as more of like a sales pitch right. like here's the 10 reasons why you should love god and uh you know to me it just seems like such an artificial way to to relate with somebody you know my marriage relationship our marriage relationship requires a great deal of sacrifice my parent Relationship with my kids has uh, required a great deal of of sacrifice. My relationship with my friends, people who I like, who I want to be close with, it requires sacrifice. So it's it's no different. If you want your relationship with God to be all that He intends it to be, we got to be just like Him. He is a sacrificer, and we also have to make sacrifice in our lives.
1: Right, and I I love that you said we can't just go on, uh, quote unquote, living like we want and expect. You know that. God to God to bless it or or that to be, okay and and is that what you meant by sacrificial living? Like, hey, I know this is not fit in in the will of God or this doesn't fit with how God's called me to live. Maybe even though it's a thing I like, it's a thing I should lay down.
0: I just want to be so careful because it's such a weighty idea. Mm-hmm. Because God does love you. And God does want to establish you. We like to say that God wants to bless your socks off. Right. Like He wants to bless you. And I've always felt like God won't won't bless you with something that will ultimately end up in your demise. Mm-hmm. So it really becomes a character issue. I need to have the the right kind of character in order to withhold the the blessings that that God wants to procure to me. So it's not that God is not into you. He's into you. I love the way that you say. Uh, that you teach about intimacy, that he's into me, you see? I I love that because God is into me. He does care about my life. He cares about my day-to-day. He does care about my comfort. It's just that my comfort is not his chief end, Mm. right? His chief end is my becoming more like Christ, my becoming Christ-like. And in order for that to happen, there's a whole big piece of my spirituality that has to include sacrificial living. Mm-hmm. So sacrifices in my finances, first of all, like 100% of my finances are not mine. Mm-hmm. 100% of my finances belong to God. And I show him that 100% of my finances are his by bringing back a 10th, saying, right. here is what you've required of me. Here's mm-hmm. that 10th. But that's really just the minimum. That's mm-hmm. that's really the the... The bottom, the the baseline Christianity. I I want to show him that he's my Lord in 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 the way that I give my offerings, not just bringing my tithe. That's right. not that's not really a sacrifice as much as it is obedience. But it is sacrificial. If I'm going to be honest, you know what I mean. It it feels sacrificial in, until you really get God's heart right. for it but um so i want to, i want to, I want to be sacrificial in my money I want to be sacrificial in my treasures i've I've been able to gather resources in my life and I have to use those things sacrificially mm-hmm. um, you know loan out my tools and <laughs> you know be generous with my car and my home and like those those kinds of things right. and I also have to live sacrificially in my spiritual life that is I should fast and I should pray. Praying takes time. It takes energy. It, mm-hmm. You know, all the things that I want to spend on other things that's not mine. It's the I wanna. I, I have to give up some of the I wantas. Yeah. That's what sacrificial living is all about. In, in instead of saying like I want to do this, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give this time to God. I'm going and and that's the other thing too about of living sacrificially is the the want to. Right. No, not just like, well, I'm I'm gonna give this to God because that's what he requires of me, but I actually want to. Like I want to sacrifice. It really takes the sting out of out of the sacrifice when you want to.
1: There's a relationship that's birthed from it that fills up more than what you pour out. In this message, Judgment has boundaries. You gave us four boundaries regarding our judgment toward the world and toward non-Christians.
0: Yep. Yesterday you did a great job. So you still got them?
1: I got them. They were number one, which we talked about. You must judge. Yep. You must. Number two, avoid double standards. Uh, The third was confine judgment to matters that are not in dispute. Yep. And then judge the action, not the motive. You bet. So let's talk a little bit more about the second boundary. Avoiding double standards.
0: Okay, so let's just consider some of the issues of life, okay? And I'm going to be a little real here. So um, for you and our listeners, you know, uh, brace yourself, okay? Uh, let's. So some of these real issues in life. How about having an affair? Mm-hmm. It's a real issue of life. What about bad-mouthing your spouse? Drinking a little too much on the weekends? Mm-hmm. Somebody thinking about abortion? Neglecting your children? Lying to your boss? Hanging out with the wrong crowd? Dressing provocatively to get attention, skipping church more and more regularly, or dabbling in other religions. Mm. Now, first of all, if you don't think these issues are wrong, we need to have a different podcast, <laughs> okay? These issues are wrong, and this is, uh, this is very, very easy, let's kind of low, slow, over-the-plate uh, pitch to our listeners. These are things that we have ab- biblical absolutes to stand on. Right. The, these, are, these, these things are wrong. Right, these these are issues that you should judge, mm-hmm. right? And the, the trouble is that we're all flawed individuals. You, you mentioned it earlier that we're, we're broken people, and we are broken people, and we are being put back together by God. Now, when we get born again, our spirits are immediately regenerated. There's nothing wrong with our spirit. Our, right. our spirit doesn't need to be renewed, right? Our spirit was born perfect inside of us, and we we need to grow that spirit up. There's the wrinkle is growing up that spirit. So I always like to think about it like when you get born again, you have a baby spirit that's born inside of you. Now keep in mind your your spirit is as is, is grown as it's gonna be when it gets there. Of course it needs to mature and all those other things. But just for the analogy, you've got this baby spirit. Let's say you got born again when you were fifteen or twenty or twenty five or thirty. So let's just um, let's say you're fifteen or twenty when you got born again. So you've got a fifteen year old or a twenty year old who's got habits and ideas and feelings about life and all these things and a little baby inside who's going to win the argument oh. who who's going to win the wrestling match right right so the the goal when we become born again is to uh mature our spirits just as quickly as possible so that our our spirit actually becomes more mature or more able to kind of fend for himself than that 15 or 20 year old or 30 year old flesh however old you were when, when you were born again. And this is a process called mind renewal. So I know that sounds like, you know, a Christianese word, but it's ac- <laughs> but it's actually, it's a pretty healthy thing and it's not weird, but it's it's we, we just start to renew our minds. We Our minds have been thinking one way for, again, 15, 20, 30 years, however long it was before you got born again. Right. Your mind has been thinking one way this whole time. And now when you become born again, you've got a new opinion that was born inside of you. You have a spirit of God in Inside of you, and everything is wonderful in the honeymoon phase. Everything's easy, everything's beautiful, everything's lovely. You're like, I love God and I love all this stuff. And it isn't until God says, Hey, uh, that's sin. What are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And you go, Oh, wait a minute. For 20 years, I haven't thought that that was sin. Why is that sin now? And God's like, Well, because that 20 year old you died when you got born again. Mm-hmm. That 20 year old you is dead and buried, and you're a new creation. Like, how come these jokes aren't funny anymore? Well, Holy Spirit doesn't think that's funny. Right. I'm not saying that nothing's funny, you know, but right. there there's a a great deal of humor that uh, puts you know God or 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 Christian things as the subject of, of the fun, and uh, rarely does Holy Spirit find those things funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there are actually you know very sacred things, and we should we should keep those things sacred. But again, that's all happens within this process of mind renewal, and that process can take any number of months and weeks and years. And it really does depend on the person. I've met people who were born again for 30 years that act like week one Christians. (laughs) And on the opposite of that, I used to spend time ministering with Todd White, who was four years old in the Lord, and he was doing things that 30-year-old seasoned Christians hadn't even sniffed at. And he is brand new in the spirit. Right. So, so the spirit isn't bound to the same kind of years, that same kind of time that we are. You can grow your spirit up rather quickly. Things in the spirit move very fast. And you can grow your spirit up rather quickly if you just be be disciplined, live live that disciplined life.
1: Right. And I guess just working on your relationship because you are now alive. You are alive in Christ. So it's working that Christ part of the relationship that's going to help you to Uh, grow up to mature and to um, come alongside those things that God deems worthy spot on so in this message judgment has boundaries we're in part three the second part of that was to avoid double standards you've taught us that we need to avoid double standards that sounds really good how how uh, help us. <laughs> how can we how do, do, we do that? that?
0: Yeah. Well, it, whenever there's like that, that desperate, I love that desperate how <laughs> that you just said. Whenever there's that sense of desperation, that desperate how, and your pastor hasn't provided you with those answers, uh, or maybe they think they have, but just didn't hit home for you, mm-hmm. you just take that how right to the Holy Spirit. He is the greatest helper. That's the best advice I can give you. Is to go to. I'm I going to give you some other advice, but the greatest <laughs> advice I could give you is go to the Holy Spirit and and ask just like that. I would ask him just like that, like how. how
1: <laughs> I how, know I should do this,
0: I, but how? Yeah, I want to, but how? And and then brace yourself, like buckle up, because he is going to take you. He's the best teacher, mm-hmm. and he is an absolute hands-on teacher. When you ask him, like, hey God, tell me about the ants, he's going to be like. All right. Yeah, I'll tell you and he won't just list you're gonna go on a nature excursion and bump into scientists and you know, you'll you'll see all these other like and he will teach you all he is such a good teacher. So when you ask him, and especially when you're desperate, if you ask him for something, buckle up because you are going on an adventure. And and I'm a little jealous actually. I love going on those adventures with the Holy Spirit. He's such a good teacher, and he'll take whatever time he needs. Mm-hmm. whether it's a month or 6 months he'll he'll stay with you. I'm a slow learner. <laughs> Same. And so I'm really thankful for the Holy Spirit cuz he'll stick with you until you get it. <laughs> you know, and, and and that's uh troubling when you're learning a hard lesson, <laughs> but it it makes it all the better. It makes the experience all the richer when he's explaining something else to you like like something wonderful. But avoiding these double standards is actually much much easier. Than, than you could possibly imagine. The first one is getting victory over that area of sin. And I know that when, when some of us hear that, it kind of puts a little sense of panic in us because we think, oh, the sin is so big. And like, what about Paul? Paul said that he knew what the right thing was to do, but he did the wrong thing. And he's always wrestling with his flesh. And, and oh my gosh, you know, we get into this panic. Like, can I ever actually get over it? Yes. Yes, you can. I'm I'm not saying that you can you'll ever do away with it completely, which is exactly what Paul was talking about. Mm. Until we shed this flesh, we're never we're always going to have that looming thing that that the the part within us that's subjected to temptation and and suffers the the effects of temptation, mm. but you can get victory over sin. God wants you to. And you you can, and it's real, real easy. You got to study your word. That's part of renewing your mind. Mm -hmm. You got to pray. You got to pray in the spirit and you got to pray in English and, you know, if, if you haven't become spirit-filled since you got born again, what are you waiting for? <laughs> what are you waiting for? The Holy Spirit will come, his second working of the Holy Spirit, he will come and empower you for Christian living. Mm-hmm. He will give you the power that you need to overcome. And I, I can't imagine trying to do Christianity. I know a lot of people who do it. Why would you ever want to try to go through life without being empowered by the Holy Spirit? Man, you got, you got to pray. you got to pray in the Spirit and you got you to pray in English, and there's tons and tons of information, not not just on our uh, YouTube website, which I would strongly suggest. We did a, a really comprehensive teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we made sure to record it mm-hmm. so that everybody could just go back and watch it and, and learn. And the other thing is to fast, honestly, if you if you want to overcome sin, we talked about this idea of your flesh being a certain age and your spirit being a certain age, and your flesh is a bit of a bully. It's, ah. it's going to have what it wants. It's going to be like, um, yeah, I know that's a good idea, but I'm going to do this anyways because it's what I really want to do. So fasting is our A1 number one tool in beating our flesh down. In teaching our flesh, who's actually the boss?
1: Standing up to the bully.
0: Absolutely, stand up to that bully. And if you know, if if you guys are uh, know anything about Tanya and I, you know how how much uh, energy and time and effort we spend in teaching people how to overcome bullies. And so your flesh can be a bit of a bully. The the enemy, uh, the devil, can be a bit of a bully. And, and by a bit, I mean a lot, uh-huh. like a total bully. So we we have to overcome the the bully. the The bully of our flesh is overcome by fasting. Okay. And there's tons of ways that you can fast, mind, body, and spirit, the lots and lots of ways that you can fast. So the first thing to avoid double standards is to get victory over an area of sin. The second one is to remember that there is a plank in your own eye. Right. Just keep that in mind. Remember that Jesus said there's this plank in your own eye. And he wasn't saying that to disqualify you. He was saying that to humble you so that you would approach somebody else with, with a gentle spirit, right? Mm. Okay, number 3, give more grace to the situation than than necessary. So we talked about this I think in another episode about giving the grace that we want to receive, but I would encourage our listeners to give more grace than you think is necessary. So let's say you think a five grace is necessary, you're going to give an eight. You know what I mean? You're going to give more grace than you think is necessary. And, and that's a really easy way to avoid a double standard. Just remember, repentance looks like something. It doesn't look like a, a specific thing necessarily. It looks like something. So it could be a little something or it could be a lot of something. The mm-hmm. fact is the important part is that there's just a something. Right. Right. Repentance looks like something. And when you see repentance, you can just dump copious amounts of grace onto Mm -hmm. that situation. There isn't an you can't dump enough grace on it as long as you're dealing with repentance, as long as you're dealing with a repentant heart right? That's how you avoid a, a double standard. That's how you avoid looking like you're, you're creating this double standard, like it's okay for me, but not okay for you. Mm-hmm. Or uh, my sin is different than yours, but your sin is inexcusable and mine's totally excusable. We're just going to dump grace onto a repentant heart. Right, And the fourth one is to con- consider also that you might be tempted and fail. You might think, hey, I don't have that problem. I'm qualified to talk to this person because I don't have that problem. And I agree with you. You are qualified in, in that situation. And it's good that you either have victory over it or you don't have that problem. But don't go into that situation thinking that you're bulletproof, that you can't be tempted. Because I've seen pastors, parishioners, laymen... I've seen all kinds of people tempted of things that they had never even dreamed would have been a temptation for them. Like they never struggled with that thing ever. And then all of a sudden they found themselves wound up in it. Wow. Well, that's the problem with temptation. Right. It's tempting. Right. Right. And the enemy doesn't Care he's he is uh, in in that regard he is a no respecter of persons. He doesn't he doesn't care what what your natural bends are or what um what you the kind of sins that you tend to fall into. He's happy to get you involved in any kind of sin. So these are four real simple things that you can do. Get victory over a specific area of sin. Remember the plank in your own eye. Give more grace to the situation than you think is necessary. And consider that you too might be tempted. If you would do these four things, you can avoid double standards in your judgments.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Pastor David. That actually sounds doable. So often we make things harder than they need to be. And I love how you just simplify the gospel It truly is good news. Thank you for joining us in Judgment Has Boundaries, Part 3. Join us again as we continue to dive deeper into this message with Pastor David of Strong Tower Church. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Tower, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey.